It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So the international break is over and I don't think we have any international breaks left until March, lads. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I went Jesus Christ. It is Even for the depressing. players. There's no need for them. Why Why during a pandemic? What is the point? Because the FAs are desperate for money that they're not getting. But yeah, why is the point? Let them die. It's one thing if it's for, you know, European qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, but, but for your Nations League and friendlies in particular. I know the Nations League has to do with uh, rankings and stuff uh, for the next World Cup, like European qualifying groups. But for friendlies, bloody hell. Load of shite, so it is. Oh, absolutely <laughs> awful. Especially when you're an Ireland supporter and we have about 50 players out with COVID at the minute. Yeah, I've got the shin pads ready for tomorrow in case. Aaron right. McInef getting a call up like it's a joke. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how many listeners would be familiar with Aaron McInef, but long story short, you don't need to know who he is. Okay, so if we cast our mind back to the last weekend of Premier League action, there was a massive game. City against Liverpool, unbelievable in the first half. Pretty bad in the second half, right? Yeah, second half was kind of torture to watch. I mean, happy enough with a point there, considering how poor we were second half. I think the last half an hour, I don't think Liverpool got any anywhere near the ball. But then again, City didn't really do much to threaten us going forward. He had one or two chances. Um, I suppose the two big point talking points from that game really would have been the two penalty decisions. Was it two penalty? Yeah, there was one. The one on Joe Gomez, which was again, it was. The whole the new handball rule, what is handball, what's not? I think under the new handball rule, that is handball. Is yeah. Um, it was a weekend of questionable penalties, which we'll get onto. But the the Broy penalty was no weekend. F- fairly poor, yeah. Fairly, fairly one of the worst penalties we've seen um, in the Premier League. Although Luckman's fairly close to that. Uh, there, yeah. We'll get onto that. <laughs> we'll get onto that, yeah. Um, other than that, I don't think I don't think the the four up front totally worked for us I think we did well the first half second half the we kind of got caught out in midfield I know there was one thing that Gary Neville mentioned on commentary was the two in the midfield that we had was because we normally have the three you only had Eugenie Wijnaldum would normally come out 
I think on that one, De Bruyne pulled out wide and in the tree, and we normally have three in the midfield, it's totally okay for Genie Wijnaldum to come out there because you have two kind of slotting back into the middle. But there it was only Henderson coming back and that left the player free in the middle, which made it easier to get it into De Bruyne and De Bruyne get it into Jesus, who took his goal very well. Yeah, people are saying there's no way he meant to do that. He absolutely did. Like, if you're giving him shit for that, like, what about Dennis Burkamp? You know, these great goals, but... Fluke. Fluke, exactly. Dennis Burkamp's a fluke. Right. Jota doesn't have the best goal-scoring record in the world. That's grand. He beds into the front four quite well. Like, those 22, 23-year-olds can be explosive, those attacking wide players. But as centre-back, like, this could be the test for Liverpool in the coming weeks. Can Reese Williams bed in? And I'm not sure centre-backs can. So, all in all, a great point for the Reds to get away there. I think it was a good performance. Like, there's, it's been overplayed a lot, but City didn't get any ground on us at the end of the day. So, I think it's a massive point. I predicted a 1-1, so I'm happy out. Yeah, it was good in the sense that we didn't lose. Uh, but I thought we, we could have pulled away in the first half hour. Uh, especially Mane was going quite well against Walker, was causing a lot of problems. I seen on commentary, uh, I'm sorry, at half time, Roy Keane called Kyle Walker an idiot. And some people are saying that's a bit harsh. And like, I don't know the full context for why he called him an idiot. But like, in that individual instance for the penalty, he absolutely was an idiot. Yeah, absolutely. He, he completely showed them down the left side. It's one thing if you, you know, you kind of stand your ground and you wait for them to go, but he just made his mind up for him. He just left the inside, I know, corridor, I suppose you'd call it, just completely open. Mane drove into that and then a stupid, like, he kind of just blocked his run completely. Stonewall penalty. And in that instance, I don't think you can disagree with Roy Keane, call him an idiot. Maybe a little bit harsh as terminology, but. Roy Keane's an idiot. Facts. Um, yeah, I don't think Liverpool can be too mad with the results. Suits them more than it does City. Like First yeah. time we've got a point there in three seasons. So, I mean, it is an improvement on last season. I know last season doesn't really count because we had won the league the game before and half the lads were still hung over. Yeah. But Obviously even before that, before that, we lost 2-1, which lost, which cost us the league title in 2019, really. Yeah, pretty much. I think if we even got a draw out of that match, we would have won the league. And then the year before that, we lost 5-0 again. That was taking with a pinch of salt because Mane was sent off at nil all. But yeah, it is it is an improvement. Um, it's definitely, you don't want City to be gaining ground on us, especially when we've got so many injuries. So you'll take any chance you can get to stop City getting anywhere closer to us. I think if Sterling or De Bruyne had shown up, I think City definitely would have won that game. It just so happened that probably their two best players didn't. Because there were a few good performances for City. I thought Joe Cancelo was very good. And I thought... I can't quite remember who else. It was that long ago. But Joe Cancelo was fantastic. I actually think Walker was okay. okay of course, yeah. Walker's instance, getting yeah. a bit of a renaissance, isn't he, at the minute? like he's Yeah, he's playing that centre-half role in the tree. I think he's doing a lot better there. I've been very impressed with Cancelo. Yeah. Like he's a natural right-back and he's slotted in that left-back really uh, making a claim for that position, making it his own. It's a place where City have really struggled to have defined left-back. You know, they've had Angelino, Zinchenko and Mendy, and they're all pretty bad. So having uh, Zinchenko just sort of like assuring that position, he's been very impressive since he's come in with the injuries that City are having as well. And that left-hand side channel has been a bit of a problem for City. Like, look, they could bring Sané on the, off the bench like a season or two ago, like cost us the league title. Like, the Left, let Sané slip through their fingers it's just crazy to think I was thinking before the game it was really strange that City 
weren't even linked to left backs during the transfer window. Celsi Telles was available for 13.5 million, which is pretty cheap. Remains to see how good he is for United, but you would have thought that when he'd be linked, Regulon to Spurs, fantastic player. Obviously, there's some strange details with that transfer, obviously, with Spurs, the buyback clause. But again, you would have thought City might have just been interested. But to be fair, Cancelo, in this game at least, was very good. But again, he'd sure to be better right back. Wrong-footed fullbacks are a big no-no for me. Yeah, don't care how good they are; just it's criminal. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool's—they've had—they have a bit of an injury crisis at the minute. Uh, like to hear your thoughts on that because they've been ravaged for about two years. They had almost no injuries. It was quite frustrating as a United fan. I just thought, like, surely one of them has to get injured eventually. But they've all come at once. I don't know if it's as serious. Uh, defensively, it is because Matip's fine, but. Sh- I said it with Gomez, he's fine, but he's fine as one of the two that isn't the senior centre-half. He's a lot better mm-hmm. when Van Dijk is in there, which obviously most centre-halves would be. You've got one of the best centre-halves in the world playing beside you. Um, him as the senior centre-half, not sold on it. And to be honest, I do think, I said it before the start of the season, that Liverpool need to sign another backup centre-half. Um, remains to see whether Fabinho is going to be injured for a long time. Um, I don't think he's going to be out for too much longer, but I'd still rather not have to play for being your centre-half. But look, I think the Robertson and Henderson injuries are a bit of the uh, old Ferguson dark arts. I think that you could see them on the team sheet against Leicester, which is a huge bonus to us, really, because Henderson, I nearly trust Henderson Fabinho probably over Reese Wills, uh, you know, Reese uh, Williams, uh, throwing him in at the deep end there, like I have to say. Uh, so I think it's been a bit overstated, but of course, Van Dyke and Gomez on long-term injuries has put a serious dent in our in our aspirations for Champions League. I think we're gone, we're done and dusted there. But you never know. I think we could still have enough to just get by in the league. How serious you know, is... Sorry, Mixer. Oh, he's done, Joe Gomez. He's, yeah, he's done. Yeah, he's fairly fucked now. For the season? Oh, yeah, yeah. April. Yeah. Van Dyke. maybe. Yeah. They're saying Van Dyke's probably going to be back towards the end of the season. So if we do, if we are still up there towards the end of the season, we're still going to have him for the title running, but Gomez isn't going to be there. Don't think. And another one, Trent went off against City and he'll be out. I think it's like for another two or three weeks. So hopefully that won't be too bad. Nico Williams is, he's an all right replacement, but he's still quite young. And you feel like that's a place where they're going to target. Leicester will target that right hand side because he's not very experienced and he is really attacking. So. Yeah, all these all these injuries are quite concerning. Like we've been hit with a lot of the players got COVID as well. Salah, uh, the most recent player after getting it. Uh, Joel Matip can never stay fit. Tiago, another yeah. one, new summer signing. He's had coronavirus as well. And now knee injury. Also has yeah. He's, see, it's it's we need players who are consistently fit. Like you would have thought before Van Dyke, he never gets injured because he went such a long stretch of games with no injuries, and then bang, he gets this injury that's nearly putting him out for the whole season it's quite concerning as a Liverpool fan but hopefully it will be grand but look I think it's set up the game to be a great leveller I think it's really brought us back in quality and like of course Leicester have their frailties but they're really flying at the moment I think it's just going to be it should be a great watch but now that I've said that I'm going to jinx it well even if it's not a great watch it'll be it'll be interesting even if it's nil-nil, it's Liverpool dropping more points, you know, which they generally didn't do, at least in the yeah. early stages of last season. So, but we've dropped, um, we dropped seven points this season so far, and I think it was, what was it? It was twenty-nine games before we dropped 
we'd only dropped two two points in our first 29 games last season. We've yeah. already dropped seven this season. Again, the season City got 100 points. Um, they didn't actually have that amazing of a start, but they end up winning 19 games in a row in the middle of the season. So, like again, something like that could happen. Probably won't this season, considering all the injuries we've had, and City don't look brilliant either. But they look better than most teams in the league, but they don't look like they were when they were Centurions. So, again, it's always hard to decide off early season four, but it'd have to be a lot more interesting this season. And so moving on to other matters, I'm on the podcast when United win a game, but it was almost two weeks ago and I'm trying my best to remember it. I have my notes here, but some of them, you know how it is, just don't make any sense. But after going 1-0 down, it looked like time might be up for Solskjaer, but uh, pulled out another really good performance on the verge of being sacked. Solskjaer, he's, he's, you can't beat him. Uh, Fernandez just pulling the team up by the scruff of her neck. It's a brilliant cross by Luke Shaw for the goal. Fantastic header by Fernandez. Not really something he's known for. But again, Shaw, he got another assist, another assist from across, and now he's out for four to six weeks. It's the story of Luke Shaw's career, unfortunately. But obviously, Fernandez again. It is his goal, but I don't know how much credit you can give from because. It was just a cross into the box that ended up going in. But it was a good, solid all-round performance from United. It's a good thing there was no podcast after the Istanbul game because I was down after that game. Just a, two dire performances in a row, Arsenal and Istanbul, and there were two bad results, shocking performances. I was not feeling good. And I kind of felt like the writing was on the wall ahead of the Everton game. Goodison Park, Everton in good form. I, I thought it was going to be another loss. And heading into an international break... I was half thinking Solskjaer could be sacked. Pretty much solid performances all around. Harry Maguire was fantastic. Fred, fantastic. Fernandez obviously very good. Rashford was quite good. Uh, Edison Cavani coming off the bench to get his first goal for the club. Um, in the United group chat I'm in, one of the pe- people were saying that they weren't really too impressed with the performance. But I kind of have to disagree because although... Everton had quite a bit of the ball in the second half. They really never threatened. Like, De Gea didn't have any saves to make. So United were just looking to sort of passively sit back and hit in the counter. And the third goal is a very extreme example of that in you know the 95th minute or whatever it was. But good professional performance from United. Yeah, I probably similar to yourself. I, I, Everton did play well in the second half, but I, they didn't really cause any problems at all. I watched, I watched most of this match. It's kind of similar to the Southampton game. It's... When Everton are struggling to break down teams, they're kind of they're very one dimensional. They're still if we talk about how good Everton have been this season, and they have been good, and they're definitely looking like they're gonna make more of a push for Europe this season. Don't think they'll be near Champions League, but in terms of Europa League, they might make a push towards that. I know they've got players like Hamas Rodriguez in there now and Calvert Loon's hitting form. I know I keep saying it, but without Richardson in there, they they really, really struggle going forward, I think. And I know they had the goal early on with Bernard, but even that was just from a long ball pumped forward and it was kind of poor defending from Lindelof. But other than that one goal, Everton didn't really look like doing anything. And again, Pickford was... I don't know how that wasn't given a penalty on Maguire was absolutely shocking. <laughs> it's similar enough to the... Probably not as bad as the one on the Van Dyke, but it was similar enough. He just... He killed him. Killed him, yeah. It was, it was so no reckless. To, it was so bad. And like, it's just... I don't know how he keeps getting away with it. Like, even your man Olsen... He didn't play that bad against Newcastle. I mean, he conceded a penalty and then one other goal. He has to be given a chance. I would say, if I was Olsen, I'd be annoyed if I wasn't being given a chance because Pickford is making shocking errors on a weekly basis at this stage. 
look, he's a bit of a liability, isn't he, at the minute, Pickford? And there was a narrative circulating around him, which probably isn't going to be good for his mentality going into games. So could just drop him for a few games, even just to get the pressure off his back a little bit. But I was thoroughly impressed with United's performance here. I have to say, I have to agree with Luke Shaw, the assessment on him. He's coming on leaps and bounds. But then another injury strike. Story of Luke Shaw, absolutely. But I think wasn't as much the dominating performance United needed, but the one thing you can't level at Ole is you can't say the players have down tools from. They consistently no. pull them out of the fire. So maybe it's his ineptitude maybe gets them there or other mm. issues and frailties in the team, but my God, you have to look at Bruno. I know Bruno did uh, probably do the um, most in terms of displacing passes, just doing a bit of weird decisions, but he's the one that just unlocks the game. Consistently, yeah. see, so he has to get away with it, doesn't he? Really, oh, like no one else's. Yeah, yeah. The only like maybe drawback I have is like you know I hope to see from a United perspective, uh, Martial hitting a bit of form. You know, that's the mm. only thing that you're missing, and then you've got that fearsome attack, the the three lads going at it, and again, Pogba is probably your only only worry. The writing's on the wall for him now, isn't it? You know, but. Yeah. we've got a nice little role for him at the minute coming off the bench because there's no doubt in his quality but I mean if Paul Pogba's on the bench like that's it's not ideal no it's you not. know he's but almost too big to be on the bench that's the thing people are saying that he could be on the bench like temporarily and then that could pave the way for Van de Beek to take his role on the bench and he could slip further down the ranks yeah which would be crazy but you know Maybe something similar to what you were saying about Pickford being dropped for a few games. Maybe he just needs that. Just like yeah, get course. your head right for a couple of weeks. Like your team, your place in the team is safe. Don't worry about that. You're just not going to play it for a couple of weeks to say that to him. Pickford but was that- really weird though because he got dropped for the Newcastle game. But then Carlo Ancelotti came out and said he's definitely going to play against United, which I don't really get. I mean, I, I know you kind of get drop him, kind of give him time outside the team so he's not making mistakes or whatever, but... If you're dropping him, you're dropping for a reason. He needs more than just one game out of the team to kind of get himself back together. I feel even... like Pickford would drunkenly threaten the manager. I feel like that <laughs> definitely happened. I hate Jordan Pickford. So one thing I got out of that game, he's just so reckless. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone. He just comes out and kills boys. But the, the best bit was T-Rex when... T-Rex arms, like he... Oh, he hit him. When he's talking at Harry Maguire, Seamus Coleman went over and started screaming at Harry Maguire. That's how he died, it was like... He got, he, got, he got kicked in the chest. Like <laughs> it was similar to the the De Jong and Alonso in the 2010 World Cup final. Yeah, it was awful. That's a joke. Right, so moving on to another shock result, I think it's fair to say. Villa rocked up to the Emirates and bet Arsenal 3-0. Incredible result. Didn't see this one coming at all. And Villa seemed to be getting the form back. Ollie Watkins is a gunman. He's just so good. Loves the goal. S- save me again in fancy football. Yeah, see, for that first goal, I seen it. I just rewatched it again yesterday because someone put it up and just it was a full minute clip of uh, the build up to the first goal. And it was incredible between Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish on the left hand side. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah. Oh, the defender was shocking. <laughs> Ross Barkley was just standing there for about, I, probably about five seconds, literally not moving. And the defender was just there looking at him. Yeah, I, think, I think funny. that was Rob Holding. Yeah. It's like a FIFA glitch. It's like what happens yeah. in squad battles when you don't want to play the game, you just run into the corner, you hit the fake shot, the fake cross, and you stand there and the defender doesn't go to you. That's what that's what Aston Villa were doing. They were playing FIFA in the Emirates. Yeah, pretty much. 
Their second goal was very FIFA goal. Play good football, but you also have to ask questions of Arsenal's defending there as well. It's just completely shocking. And like even there was that clip that went around of Kieran Tierney in the first few minutes. I don't think it ended up being a goal, but it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Like I don't even know what he was trying to do. Yeah. So bad. Like I don't think Kieran Tierney's bad. Like he's good. I don't no. think he's out of his depth. I think he's good enough to be in the Premier League at that level. But I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe just the the players he's playing with in the defense, because overall that defense isn't good. And obviously, someone who's new to the Premier League isn't going to be is going to feel a lot more comfortable if they're playing beside established defenders who are confident in themselves and actual good defenders instead of playing along the likes of I don't know, like Rob Holding, like there needs to be a lot of investment in their in their offense if they're going to go anywhere near the Champions League in the next season or two. Yeah, the thing is, they're like Tierney's attacking fullback, and I like that the way they've gone back to a back four. But they might go back and stick him as left side and centre back, and be even more conservative. Like, how many goals have Arsenal scored? Uh, like in the Premier League, it's nine, and like three of them were against Fulham. Like, it's utterly pathetic. And Aubameyang has done nothing this season. Not entirely his fault. Now he's proven quality, but maybe there's a few questions starting to be asked for Arteta. Just just because he's Pep's understudy doesn't get him all the plaudits straight away. Yeah, I think it's uh, that would be very harsh. But at the same time, like they lost one nil at home to Leicester, and just got hammered by Villa. Like obviously it's three nil, but I'm not even talking about the scoreline. If you watch the games, ex- extended highlights of the game, Villa were brilliant. They're absolutely all over them, and it's kind of hard to see a way out if they get themselves in a bad uh, run of results. Because when United are in a bad run of results, there's nothing to say that the quality of Fernandez, Pogba, Rashford can't just dig Oli out of a hole. Not to say that he shouldn't take some of the credit, but sometimes that individual quality will win United a game or several games. But with Arsenal, you're just looking to Aubameyang and hoping. There's no yeah, other real quality. There's very yeah. average top six players in there, That's... isn't there? Like just uninspiring names. And the young players, way too much responsibility put on them as well. Even not including Ozil in the Premier League squad. And I know he's probably past it, but even having him off the bench is a good enough option because if you're chasing the game, say like you're 1-0 down like you were against Leicester and you're chasing the game and you're looking for that final ball, someone like Ozil, who I know he's probably nowhere near as good as he used to be and maybe he's not been involved in the squad because it's worth ethic or whatever about that. But even having someone in there who can come in the last 10-15 minutes and play that final ball over the top or into the box... Uh, maybe I'm chatting shit here, I don't know, but it's it's kind of weird to exclude him from the squad and then have all these young lads who aren't proven at all at the top level on the bench. I mean, there's a lot of good talent in there, like in Ketia, and you see most of the lads who played against Dundalk, really, there, Reese Nelson and all that. Like, they're good, but if you're really chasing the game, they're not the players you want to bring on. And I suppose it's just that squad depth isn't brilliant. But like when you're excluding players like Ozil, again, an Arsenal fan would be better to talk about this because they would know whether Ozil they watch Arsenal more regularly and know whether Ozil's just a fat mess now or not I don't know <laughs> yeah, but every time I've watched Ozil recently he is a fat mess he, he doesn't move he's arthritic <laughs> like he is so bad like uh, but I don't know I'm, I'd just rather give it to someone who's gonna give that d- drive determination and passion like Arsenal played in the same dressing room that Ozil's in now like he's part of that team that era and he's just like nah mate you're finished. You're done. It's not a politics to play though with uh, Ozil at Arsenal, though, isn't it? Of course, yeah. Like yeah. he's making a lot of moves that aren't very savoury for a top club. Like you, you can't be 
uh, talking about different things of professional football, you just have to be a cardboard cutout, don't you? Like I know Rashford's in favor of a lot of things, feeding kids and all that, which is great, but th- th- everyone enjoys that. If you're on the wrong yeah. side of that, yeah, you're just a bad person. Exactly. But um, yeah, also just just needs to lay off Twitter and everything else. Yeah, no, Rashford's doing it for the good of the the good of the people. Like in Ozil, he's just a bit of an arsehole. Look, there's one thing you can't level at Ozil, and that's not being good at social media. He's great yeah, at he's putting pretty, up them he's polls. Pretty good at Twitter now. He's a good Twitter. Only thing he's doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is actually mad. Imagine yeah. when he gets a game of football he again. So he's going to be so fat. Yeah, he was so good so though. Fun. Like I just the decline is unbelievable. I mean, it was just because he was playing in such a shit Arsenal team that he wasn't arsed. Well, Alexis losing Alexis was key, and Alexis he, he got that big contract in what was it January of 2018, oh, and then yeah, crazy just put his his feet off, pretty much. Maybe, maybe that's going to happen to Aubameyang now. Yeah, yeah it's very possibly. Yeah, ever since Aubameyang signed a thing, it's just been they've got their last big contracts. Like they're laughing. Aubameyang's into his thirties now, isn't he? So. Oh, he's yeah, like 30 he's a bomb. One. Yeah, I think he's 32. Yeah, you'd, yeah. imagine, you'd imagine that's him. That's his Arsenal career. Done after that's that. Career, yeah. Three year contract, presumably. Oh, yeah, he, he's, he's loving life. He's, Go back to it's disastrous. French League or something. Sorry, if you watch ATV now, you look at them, they're so deluded. Like, there's nothing to see in hope in your club. Who is he? All these guys, all these dons. They are the most hopeless of the top six sides. Like, oh, like I, Spurs have stuff to go with them. Like, look at that front three. But Ronan, you have to like. I'm not saying they're utterly hopeless, but there's not a lot there. Oh no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm like they are. Like out of the top six, they are by far got the worst squad. They're the most inconsistent. They're kind of when you look at the top six fixtures, they're like, oh, that's the one you're probably gonna gonna be the easiest to win, um, which nobody wants because like even I don't think anyone's afraid to go into the Emirates anymore. Like it's any team can go there and win. Like, but like, even if you go, whatever about playing teams at home, but if you go to United away, Liverpool haven't beaten United away since 2014, and United have been shit for the last six seasons. Uh, it's hard. Liverpool don't go and beat City away. None of the top six teams really go and beat City away. I know United did it a few years ago. It's still hard to beat Spurs at White Hart Lane, or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Chelsea, Stamford Bridge is always a tricky place to go. Teams get results against Arsenal away from home all the time. The recruitment is absolutely baffling as well because they go off and spend seventy million on Pepe, who, albeit had a good two or three seasons in League One, and I do think he was an exciting enough prospect for someone to want to bring over to the Premier League. But there was no way he was ever worth seventy million. So he spent seventy million on him, and then have no money to spend on any of the other positions. And then they go off and buy shit defenders like David Luiz and all these Gabriel <laughs> and fucking Saliba, who just. Like they're probably all right footballers, but they're not what you want. Yeah, but for uh, like pe- for uh, pennies, like they're spending absolute pennies on positions that they need and blowing money other places. Yeah, so apparently it's a very difficult time for Sleeve at the moment. Uh, both his parents are off dying in quick succession. He's obviously very far away from home, being a Brazilian, very isolated in the squad. So we'll reserve judgment on him. Hopefully, he can kick on this season and Gabriel as well. So maybe it's not all doom and gloom for Arsenal going forward. Okay, on to more light-hearted moments. Did you see that Adamola Luckman penalty at the Olympic Stadium? Shocking. It was Look, hilarious. You've got to respect the old ball. <laughs> Disgraceful. The cheek of that man to try that when you're losing. You're in that relegation battle. What is he doing? Surely in a situation like that, you just have to take a uh, page out of Jamie Vardy or Salas Buka and just smash it down the middle. Not fucking I, chip it like a dickhead. <laughs> I, I personally blame Scott Parker for this. Oh, yeah. 
For context, if there you don't go. know or can't remember, it was 1-0 West Ham. Thomas Suchek had just scored. Fulham got a penalty. Last kick of the game. Adamula Luckman takes it. You know, promising young player, unknown from RB Leipzig. And he chips it down the middle. And Fabianski just doesn't move. And he just looks like a massive, massive idiot. But again, kind of inconsequential because we all know that Fulham are going to get relegated. All right? But it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think that just about rounds up this week's action. So going on to our next segment, we've got our first ever interview with Keith from Irish Footy Vlogs TV. Okay, so, so delighted to say that we have our very first guest on the Barstoolers Premier League podcast as none other than Keith Fitzsimons from Irish Footy Vlogs. So I'm very familiar with Keith and his channel, but if you're not aware of his channel, I'm going to give him the opportunity to say how it started. It's pretty, it, it's, it is what it says in the tin. But how did it start? How long you've been doing it? What sort of content you have out now and what you plan for the future? Yeah, that was the idea. As you say, it's pretty much what it says on the tin. And Connell, that was kind of the idea, Irish Footy Vlogs. You're looking for something that kind of seems kind of obvious what it is. It's obviously mm-hmm. Irish Footy and it's vlogs, you know what I mean? Yeah. But generally, yes, yeah, obviously Irish football. So international football, uh, League of Ireland football, um, you know, fan views, which I really like as well again fans on from different teams you know that kind of thing club mm-hmm. teams in the League of Ireland to talk about maybe do season previews reviews or games um, what else do I do on the spot now trying to think what else I do <laughs> there's loads of stuff there really is like you know I do about five videos a week on like pretty much mm-hmm. like you know we could do even more a lot of the time as well uh, interviews usually of players in the off season as well it's a bit harder during the season because you know it's, it, you know it's during the season they're in the bubble a little bit as well so that's something I do as well um, obviously you know the, we're getting into pre-season now so season reviews team of the years all those kind of things ranked videos uh, we do, myself and Keen Menton, you know Keen Menton, yeah, do you? We do a weekly show, we do previews of games and we do reviews of games and I talk about international soccer as well. Uh, how long am I doing it? About a year. Um, about a year. Jeez, that year flew, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, as I said, I just mentioned this was some of the plans for the future. Just keep doing what I'm doing, basically, Conlon. That's it, pretty much. Yeah, very impressive that you've only been doing a year. You've well over 2,000 subscribers and you're fairly prolific with your content as well. So again, You have to be, I think. You have to yeah. be as well. I think if you do the odd thing here and there and get lazy, you have to enjoy it though. Because exactly. Enjoy yeah. it. You're not going to do five videos, six videos, whatever is a week if you don't enjoy it, are you? Yeah, especially at the start when you have no subscribers. So, something similar to myself because it has to be that intrinsic motivation, I think. Oh, t- yeah. I tell you, you know, the start is the hard. It really is to say it is the hardest part. If you can get through that, though, you you do get you, you get uplifted. You get a kind of lift from it, like to be honest. And it's it's nice seeing the subscribers coming in and people enjoying what you do. I think that's the main thing. People yeah. enjoy what you do. It's uh, you know, it does give you something. There's no doubt about that. So again, if you're in any way interested in the League of Ireland, like I am myself, a massive Dundalk fan. Make sure you subscribe to Keith's channel or even international football because he's putting out lots of content at the moment. Maybe so begrudgingly at the moment with our phone, but uh, I don't know if this is going to be out before the Bulgaria game. I don't think it is, but no doubt you'll have a reaction to that Bulgaria game. So make sure to subscribe to Keith's channel. So sort of stay in line with your channel before we actually go on to the sort of main topic of discussion. You'd yeah. Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV on. How did that come about and what was he like? Um, it was a weird one actually. I actually messaged um is a troops, yeah, message yeah. troops. I just message random people and they might get you back or email them or something like that. And a few weeks later, troops got back to me 
And um, he obviously had a discussion with Robbie or something because then uh, Robbie came on and he said, um, yeah, or his secretary, because they have secretaries and stuff, yeah. obviously, you know. <laughs> she no. came on with an email and said, Robbie will do a video with you about Dundalk, etc., about the, the games coming up or the game coming up as such. So basically, yeah, to be honest, he's, what you see from Robbie is actually what you get as well. Um, he was the same kind of off-air to he was on-air, essentially. Like, um, I think the funny thing about it is, on the video I done with him, or one of the videos I done one for his channel as well, he kept mentioning Shamrock Rovers instead of Dundalk. Yes, yes. And I tried so. to interrupt him a few times in a polite fashion, and yeah. he just it was gone. It was gone over because I met, I think I mentioned Shamrock Rovers in the context of yes. they did, did well against Milan mm. and Dundalk. You never know then that Dundalk could do well in that sense against Arsenal if you get me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was on the spot in his video to be honest with you because I wasn't expecting to be going on that at all. And uh, I didn't really have the proper research on Dundalk. Now, I knew yeah. a lot about them on the top of my head, but uh, there was a little errors, a few errors I made in there because I didn't have, I wasn't expecting to go on, like no research. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah. my God. I'm sure it was brilliant um, for your channel, was it? Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was fantastic. And for some reason, I got an upsurge of Arsenal fans joining the channel, but yeah. they probably never <laughs> watch it again. But still, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, you know, get people like that on. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're just people. But it's mad to think how popular the Arsenal one is. It's, you know, more, more people watch that than any other fan channel, don't they, in fairness, as well. Yeah. So, when you think uh, of fan channels, that's what you think of. You think it's of on them rants outside them. Where it's, yeah, brilliant to get on there. Ho- oh. Hopefully we'll be on there one day, you know. Yeah, As a Dundalk fan, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the actual topic of discussion. We're going to be talking about all things Irish to do with the Premier League, because... It's in the name of our podcast, the Barstoolers, for Irish Premier League fans. So what do you make of the current situation as regards to Irish players in the Premier League? Because obviously in the 90s, you'd naturally had a lot more players. But interestingly enough, it's kind of hard to get very specific figures. But I think the peak was in 2006, where there seemed to be 45 Irish players. Now, going through the years then, there was a pretty massive drop-off around 2012, 2013, and it's mm. kind of stayed similar levels to then. At the moment, there's, I think, 22 active Premier League Irish players, uh, joint lowest with 2017. But, but mind you, I'm just counting actual bona fide first-team players there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't counted the likes of Keevan Kelleher or like Joe Hodge at City or something like that, just first-team players. So do you think that's a sign that Irish football is going backwards? Or, if anything, do you think it's better because they're going to abroad, like Conor Ronan's in Switzerland at the mm. minute, even players coming back to League of Ireland? Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's a few factors, to be fair. Like, in fairness, if you look at um, the last number of years, well, it's been for 20 years or so, there's a lot of youth players now going to England from all over the world. I think that's been an issue. We used to have a lot of Irish players playing in the youths, even at the likes of Arsenal, Manchester United. They might not make it, but I think the fact now, obviously, in the last 20 years, it takes a while for a decline to come. So this isn't because of yesterday, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's because of, say, 20 years ago, and all of a sudden the decline comes. I think a big thing is, like, you look at all the youth uh, squads in the Premier League, they've guys from Africa, uh, you know, even America, all over Europe. And you're competing against all of them. In the past, you know, you were only allowed to have maybe three foreign players, roughly. Or, you yeah. know, you'd have Scots. Scotland have had the same problem as well. No, they're doing better now. But even so, you'd have Scotland, Welsh, Irish and English players. This was a problem in England as well. 
uh, up until recently. And England, I think, you know, they put a lot of money and funds into trying to address that and, um, you know, the youth development. And they have done that. Um, I suppose from where, where we are, we're doing that now. It's later yeah. than them and we're a smaller nation, but we are doing that now. And I think in the next five years, I do think you'll see that come up a little bit more, like, you know. Yeah, I think it's something to do with the, you know, sort of trickle down effect as well, because the Premier League is so global now. Like in the 90s, Irish players were yeah. basically the foreign players. Like you weren't seeing many Brazilians playing in England. Like, so now you're seeing and a lot more. And if you did, more. to be honest, Connell, you were like, oh my God, there's a Brazilian in the Premier League, you know, Janinho or someone, you know? <laughs> it's like when Dundalk sign a, you know, a foreign player nowadays and like, ooh, <laughs> who's Jordan yeah. Flores? He's from Wigan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you kind of see that trickle down effect both in the English lower tiers and in Ireland. Where yeah, yeah. like I think it's probably beneficial for the League of Ireland because there's yeah. some quality players like we'll say Jordan Flores. Maybe he would have made it at Wigan. Now, maybe that's not saying much nowadays because they're in the, you know pretty dire financial straits. The Dutch yeah. are better than Wigan now. But you know, just an example, Wigan were a Premier League team for years. He could have yeah. made it for them easily. So I think it's probably good for our league as well. But, yeah, I uh, think so. Going into domestically this season in the Premier League, it's only eight games in, but who's impressed you from the Irish contingent? Um, I'll say something funny here. Jack Grealish. <laughs> Declan Rice, he's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it has to be Seamus Coleman for me. Um, you know, he had an injury a couple of years ago. I know Everton have struggled the last few weeks. And of course, Coleman's missed the Irish games, which is very unfortunate, but... I think Carlo Ancelotti referenced them now. I know it's a bit outlandish, but he said compared to Paolo Maldini. But, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I oh, know he's been playing very well. He's been very strong in that right-back position, defensively and offensively. So I think he has been, for me, the number one. I think doherty has been good as well, funnily enough, with Tottenham. Mm. I think he's transitioned very well into that Tottenham team. I actually noticed uh, that, and this is probably the Mourinho effect now, he's actually improving as an actual defender. Yeah, uh, maybe some of his attacking prowess might be taken out of it at Tottenham, but I do think he's improving as a defender. So his all-round game will improve because of that. And uh, notably, they're two right backs, I suppose, uh, which is an issue as well. Um, elsewhere, it's a difficult one. I think McGoldrick has had a decent enough start at uh, Sheffield United. Obviously, he's retired from international duty, mm-hmm. which is a curious one. Um, but I think he's. I still think he's a little underrated. I know he doesn't score loads of goals, but he holds up the play. And does bits and bobs like that. It's um apart from those, it's very difficult, isn't it, to pick out too many. I think Kevin Long actually at Burnley, yeah. another player who's a bit underrated, to be honest with you. I mm. think he just goes about his business, does his job, defends well, and if I'm honest, he's been playing better than Egan and uh, Duffy up in Scotland. So yeah. you know what I mean. He's a mm. player, and the last few internationals, I know it's a little off topic, but I think Long has done quite well as well. So I take Kevin Long as well. Um, you'd like to see more, wouldn't you, from the likes of um, Connolly? I know he's been injured in that. Malumpy, it's, it's disappointing you can't get in the Brighton team because I think he's a good footballer. I really do. Um, Darrell Shea has impressed now for West Brom, yeah. to be fair. He's come into the Premier League. He's a cool customer, though. Do you know what I mean? He's mm. very, very good on the ball. He really is good on the ball. Um, playing a lot of positions, right, left back, centre back. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to know what his best position is. From what I can see, it's centre back. From seeing, I've seen him yeah. live a few times with the under 21s too, and he's very comfortable on the ball. Um, so I think he's actually coming well. I know West Brom have struggled, but he's come in and done well. Um, apart from that, it's difficult to pick out anyone else, isn't it? To be fair, 
Yeah, going on to like Daryl Shea there, I think yeah. he's the one that's really went under the radar. You like yeah. you never you I never hear about, about him yourself. Yeah, it, like he starts every single game for West Brom in the Premier League, and look, West Brom they're not great, but to start every single week is he twenty? He's twenty one, I think, just about. Yeah, just yeah about like that, that's really really impressive. And again, he can play anywhere. I seen Johnny Ward there said he thinks he's a central defensive midfielder. Which I can see, he's good in the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could play there. Like I've never seen him play there, so I can't yeah. really comment. But yeah, he has the attributes, I think, where he could play there. Mm-hmm. But that's great for him because it means that he's a couple of positions that he could yeah. still play in. And in general, though, I do like to see a player, especially a young age, kind of settle more or less in one position. I only like players to fill in if they need to fill in. But Overall, the messier development, if you're right back one week, left back next week, centre back, defence midfield, you do need to find, in general, a position, say, that's my position, that's where I'm going to play, unless there's an injury crisis or something. So I'd like to see him, I'd still like to see him develop personally, in my opinion, as a centre back, that's the way I'd like to see it, but he could be, yeah, defence midfielder, possibly, yeah. Yeah, and then I had Malombi. Obviously, you touched on him. Absolutely brilliant player, and it looked he like he's going to go out on loan again to Millwall, and I was kind of disappointed. Mm. But yeah. looking back, and I'd love to get him to go to Millwall because he's just a brilliant all round player. Isn't he? I just feel he could play in the Premier League. Though. That's the annoying thing. Yeah. Um, again, I've seen him play live for the twenty ones as well, and Brighton the style of play suits him as well. They get the ball down and that. Yeah. I don't know what. It's hard to know what the problem is there. Maybe the midfield are doing well and he feels like Potter now. He can't just put in another player. But he's not even coming on as a sub, though. That's the mad yeah. thing. Um, he has the ability. He's 21, so he's not 19, do you get me? He's not like Adam Ida, maybe, who's maybe a little bit raw, but has potential. I think Malumpy is ready now to play first-team football in the Premiership. Unfortunately, <laughs> excuse me, choking. Unfortunately, if he gets a loan out, he probably will go to the Championship. Yeah, and, I, you know, I think he's ready for the Premier League. I really do. And just the last player I want to talk about, it's one that kind of irks me. He got a move to West Ham last year, last January, Darren Randolph. And it's yeah. always a curious one because he was never going to break in ahead of Lucas Fabianski. And I thought that was really disappointing because mm. as a keeper, it's really important to be sharp. And in fairness, he, he generally he's done well for Ireland. But yeah, that was a weird career move. It's a strange one, like, and I hate saying it, to be honest with you, but you do feel like he probably was getting an extra bit of money and kind of... It's hard to blame him, but yeah. It is hard to blame it, it is, because it's a strange one, because he over he overachieves, if you like, for the Republic of Ireland, yeah. doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, some players do that. I think Shane Duffy's a bit like that as well, in general, to be honest with you. But he's never getting into a Premiership team, like, never getting into a Premiership team. I'm sure there's one or two, I can't think of the top of my head, but... You don't really see him getting in anywhere. And he was at West Ham before, and he left West yeah. Ham to get first team football at Middlesbrough. Yeah, um, exactly. it, has to, it has to be, like, honestly, it has to be. Now, I will say this, though. Maybe he wanted to be in London as well. Okay. And, um, you know, what other clubs are in London that are in the Championship that would be a Middlesbrough level? I know you're looking at Millwall, but I doubt Millwall have the wage that uh, yeah. Middlesbrough would have. So I'd say he looked at that as it's a bit of both. I think it's money but also location as well. And you're not going to Charlton, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So just moving on to the last section, who do you think we should be looking out for in years to come? Like I'm talking in Premier League academies, a couple of names here I've got is Joe Hodge, who's very young. I think he's 17, 18, but I watched him at the under, under 17 Euros, was it? He was 17, it was yeah. 17, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he was brilliant then. And a little bit older, Connor Coventry for West Ham. I think yeah. he's brilliant. 
Yeah, Connor Coventry, yeah, he's good as well. He kind of plays as a defensive midfield player. Reminds mm. me a little bit of James McCarthy, but doesn't really get injured. So that's the thing with him. Um, going back to Hodge, though, I'm a bit concerned about him because I think his birth, um, he's English by birth, isn't he? Yes, he is, yeah. That one. Never a good. Me, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially these days. Like, you yeah. know, it's a big problem these days compared to the old days. Anyone who's, um, you know, good enough to kind of play for England, we essentially lose. So, uh I'm a bit worried about him. He has got ability. He's a very good footballer. He really is. Um, what was the three goals? Was it in the FAU Cup final against Chelsea? Or a couple of goals? Didn't he score a couple of goals or something? I'm not sure, to be honest, but I, yeah. yeah, he certainly yeah. played. Yeah, yeah he, he, he was a starter. Yeah. It was two or three goals. It might have been two, actually. But no, he's a player to watch out for. But again, the fear is that it's all right developing players, but we don't want to be developing players that obviously go on and play for England do we in fairness yeah I'm just used to it at this stage and then just one more player I want to talk about he isn't a Premier League player but I think he will be one day is Jason Knight you've obviously seen him come on against Wales did quite well what do you hope for him no I think he's very good as well unfortunately though he's playing with Derby I believe her bottom of the championship mm. so that's not great for him if you know what I mean when you're playing a struggling team it's very difficult yeah. but he's a very good player he's only 19 I think you mentioned that did you he's only 19 as well um, I like Jason Knight, yeah, he's from, um, where did he come through? He came through at Cabin Teeley as well, and the high hopes yeah. from there. He might need to move away from Derby, particularly if they get relegated, obviously. But, no, Jason Knight, I think, is a very good player. He's well-rounded for a 19-year-old as well. Mm-hmm. And, look, there's definitely quality coming through. I mean, we're talking at the start of the show there about players and how they're not developing and getting into English academies or squads. But there's a lot of great work done by the FAI there. And I know people have a go at the FAI and all that, but let's be honest. I mean, 90% of the people that work for the FAI are honest, hardworking people that are doing a great job. It's like having one bad apple in a packet of six, like, you know, puts you off the whole packet, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so thanks very much for coming on, Keith. No where where can everybody find you on Twitter and Instagram, that sort of thing? Yeah, just uh, for Simon's Keith on Twitter and Instagram, Irish Buddy Vlogs. And then obviously I'll just put vlogs on YouTube. So fair play to you. No, enjoyed that. That was brilliant. Yeah, no problem at all, Keith. Just a reminder to all our listeners, all those links will be in the bio. So make sure you subscribe to his channel, follow him on all the socials. He's everything you need for Irish football. Thanks very much, Keith. Thanks very much. Brilliant. See you later. Okay, so moving on to our predictor game. Again, for context, the winner of this will get a jersey worth, we'll say about 30 quid. We'll throw a tenner in from classic football shirts or something like that. Uh, we sponsorship from Classic Football Shirts, I hope. So at the minute, it's Ronan at the bottom with 19 points, although he had a good week this week. I'm on 20, Michael's on 24, and James is on 28. So Mixer, and obviously James in particular, are a little bit out in front at the minute. But I'm we're coming only, for you, James. We're only are, we doing a, Jersey. are we doing a four for the last place person? We'll discuss this at a later point, okay? Ooh, very interesting. Loser has I to take a lethal amount of heroin. That's that's what happens. Um, I'd rather not. <laughs> that's when you sign <laughs> up to play for this it, game. Don't hate the player, you know? Read the small print. Yeah. That's what happens okay. when you sign up for this podcast. So the games we're going to predict this week are Newcastle, Chelsea, Spurs, City, Leeds, Arsenal, Liverpool, Leicester, and Wolves, Southampton. So Newcastle home to Chelsea. I believe that's the early kickoff on the Saturday. Going away to St. James's Park. Newcastle always seem to have a goal in them. Even if they're not that good, we've discussed this, they always seem to have a goal in them. Somewhat similar to West Ham. But uh, generally speaking, it's no secret. They're not very good. So 
I just think Chelsea's quality. You just see it seem to be coming into form now. Havertz has still yet to come into form. Werner's doing a bit better. There's just far more goals in that Chelsea team. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 Chelsea win. 5-2 Chelsea. 4-0 hey, Chelsea for myself. 4-0, geez. Fairly big Chelsea wins. I'm going 2-1 to the Chelsea. I agree with Conan uh, Newcastle. They just get a goal, but Chelsea coming out on top for me. So next game, I would say pretty easily the game of the weekend. Spurs at home to City. I don't know. Like usually I'll pretty much always predict a City win because it just seems like the safe bet. But I just have a vision here. You know, I feel it in my waters. I think it's going to be a low scoring 1-0 Spurs win. Something similar to last season where Spurs barely registered a, a shot against City and managed to win 2-0. Just drive-by shooting, just City will dominate the ball, but ultimately won't create much. Spurs, 1-0. Uh, going for a 2-0 uh, Spurs win, because hopefully he's got more hair than Pep Guardiola. Like, Great analysis there, Owen. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I am going to go for a 2-1 on Tottenham. And look, I think it's going to be a bit of a smash and grab on the play of things, but Aguero's fitness, he's he's still out, isn't he? Like so, where are the goals coming from at the minute? And I think they have a lot to prove that Bale's on Kane front three. It's gonna be it's gonna be big now. And I uh, agree with you there, James. Same score, two on Spurs. The last couple of years, Spurs and City has been a great game. You think back to Champions League uh, quarterfinals a couple of years ago, they had that mad game of the Etihad, and then even the first game they played last season, they had that mad VAR call. And then the game last year, Bergwijn getting a goal against City. Again, it is gen- generally a quite entertaining game, so I'm looking forward to this one. And the third game we're going to predict is Leeds at home to Arsenal. Leeds seem to be falling back to earth a little bit after a good start. Arsenal, not in good form either, so it's quite a difficult one to call. Uh, I think Aubameyang's just going to wake up in time for this game. And I see pretty, like Arsenal, they're quite a, quite a streetwise team under Arteta which is kind of what they needed after playing really good football for years under Wenger, but just being a soft touch. So I think 2-0, counter-attack and win for Arsenal. Going for a 3 all draw. I think that's... Do you yeah. want to expand on that? Um, not particularly. I am going to go for a one all draw, and I'm thinking back to the... One all between Pep and Bielsa. I don't think uh, Aubameyang's waking up anywhere. The only place he's waking up is on airport floors because that's where the Gabon national team were sleeping the other last night, uh, which is a bit of trivia. And he's not too happy about that. So I don't think he's waking up anytime soon this week. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to go one one. Leeds just get a result. Leeds need to dig out a result now. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Leeds to drop points again. Two uh, two in this one for me. So nearly draws all around there. I'm the only one back in an Arsenal win. So going on to the fourth game, Liverpool at home to Leicester. As we've touched on already this episode, definitely an interesting game. Whatever happens, Leicester have been absolutely flying this season. I think to everyone's surprise, really. Liverpool have been in slightly worse form, but they're, they're still fine. But obviously, quite a few injuries. Who knows what that starting lineup's going to look like, particularly the defence. But I feel like, you know, man is fit at the moment. So is Firmino, so is Jota. I think they'll be fine. And I think some people will probably expect Leicester to get a result here. And for that reason, I kind of think they'll bottle it, much like they did on the last day of last season against United. Going to go 1-0 Liverpool. I'm going for 5-3. Both teams are good high-scoring teams. Don't think our defences are particularly solid. Um, well, actually, no, Leicester 
I think I don't know. Five three. Um, five three to who? Uh, Liverpool. Did I not save to who? It's no. Five three to Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah, both teams high scoring. <clears throat> Leicester been very reliant on penalties this season. I think they've had eight already in the league this season. Um, so naturally, I assume they're going to get absolutely none this match. Be nice to actually see Barnes and Madison play together. I don't think they've done that yet this season. Or maybe they have done it, but I don't think they've started together yet this season. For no particular reason other than I need both of them to play in my fantasy yep. football. That's what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> that is yeah, don't put your propaganda um, on, I'll say your own. Um, we'll be interested to see uh, how he go, starts, who he starts, Firmino or Jota. Since how we talked about Firmino as a defensive striker, we might actually see him at centre-half, so that'll be good to see. Hmm. Um, I think that's pretty much all my opinions on that. I'm going to go 3-2 to Liverpool. I think, yeah, both teams have been high-scoring, but maybe I'm leaning against that prediction. Maybe I don't think Leicester is going to score two goals, but look, we said it. Um, I think Liverpool score three goals here, and I think we leak we, we leak at the back, but it's going to be an ultimate test, and we're going to get through it. That's going to be a rallying cry for all the boys and everyone else in the league. Can't get uh, Liverpool so easily. Yeah, well, I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester win. It's not the kind of game you want, uh, considering all the Liverpool injury woes. You'd rather someone like Newcastle, maybe, or trying to think, or Fulham. But no, we have Leicester, one of the high flyers at the minute in the Premier League. So it's not an ideal game to be getting the back of all these injuries. So I'm not confident Liverpool L on this one. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but did you see the, um, there was someone on Twitter there, Mark Lawrence and Liverpool to lose in their last match against City. I think the last time we predicted that was like back in 2014 or something. <laughs> it was like some. It was like some. His his predicted Liverpool 159 game unbeaten run or something like that came to an end. And did it even lose? Yeah. <laughs> right. So then the last game, Monday night football, Wolves against Southampton. Found this one really difficult to call. In the end, I've just went with a narrow Southampton win because they're in really good form. But I think even stylistically, it's quite interesting. Wolves sort of a counter attack and defensive team. Pretty much the same at Southampton. They play different formations, but similar enough styles of play. Southampton maybe a little bit more focused on pressing. But I think Southampton, they're just in really good form. We'll see if the international break brings that to a halt. It could hurt them, the international break. But I, I'm i just not that convinced by Wolves this season. I don't know. It just seems like something's missing. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 Southampton win. A 3-0 Southampton win here. I think the problems at Wolves are really emerging at the minute. Uh, Poddens is looking a bit lightweight. I hate to say it. Neto staying on instead of Poddens, and I think Poddens is a lot more prominent, uh, a lot more um, prominence. But like Triori on the bench coming off, like there has to be a problem there. Like they might chip him away, and he was such a source of goals from last season as the transition into a new style of play, which is not ideal. So uh, yeah, Nuno might have uh, had a nightmare this season. He got rid of some of the boys like Matt Doherty, Jota, both gone. Jimenez isn't up to scratch so far. So going with a 3-1 Southampton win. Uh, they've been looking very impressive this season and it should be a good game as well. Very, I don't know where I was going with that one, but the games this weekend are quite interesting. Potential to be a mad one this weekend. <clears throat> it's just good to be back to a bit of normality. In one sense, it was nice to have a break because with United, at, at least, it's it's they're very exciting every week, one way or the other. So it was nice to just get a just a wee break, you know. Ireland, I just expect to lose. That's fine. So yeah, we'll be back as normal next week. Uh, obviously, no more international breaks for a good while. So 
I think that was a good episode, good interview with Keith. Great to have our first guest on. So if you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe and comment and all that sort of stuff is massively appreciated. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us, leave us a rating, whatever you can do in that platform, it's massively, massively appreciated. And we'll be back with another episode of the podcast next week. Thanks for listening. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.